This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute, with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, a podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore high school sports. This is Michael Dwojek talking to you here with the record uh, North Shore founding members, Joe Coglin and Martin Carlino. You can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, where have you. We are there. Uh, giving you guys the latest updates on everything that is happening here on the North Shore sports scene. So we're going to do our regular uh, four-quarter format here on the Varsity where we address uh, a lot of news happening, a lot of fun stories, a lot of uh, 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 some stories that maybe fans don't want to hear at the moment given everything that's going on, but we'll address it here in the first quarter. We'll uh, start right off with the news of the uh, Times right now where we discuss Governor uh, J.B. Pritzker's announcement about uh, some of the winter sports and where they might be moving this upcoming winter and the uncertainty that we have with it. But we'll also recap uh, a sectional championship by one of our local schools. In the second quarter, we are joined by Nutrier Girls swimmer Greta Pelzik as she uh, talks about competing in their last uh, high school meet uh, and winning a lot of sectional championships. In the third quarter, we're going to play our weekly guessing game of way or no way. While in the fourth quarter, we recap and preview cross-country postseason action and give you some local news about a former Trevian baseball player who's making his uh, return to the North Shore area. So let's start things off with the first quarter where we talk about um, what I'm sure a lot of high school sports fans in Illinois are talking about right now. And um with that being the announcement on Tuesday from the governor's office that both uh, basketball and wrestling were moved from um, middle tier uh, sports to high risk sports, which uh, basically puts uh, uncertainty um, as to when those sports will be uh, competing in this winter. Um, From what we know as of recording this podcast, IHSA has not yet met, um, they sent out an, a press release kind of yesterday after uh, Governor Pritzker's uh, announcement um, that they were alerted to it 15 minutes before that he was going to announce it um, and that they're still going to try to discuss and try to figure out what to do with basketball and wrestling for the winter. So as of right now, while we're recording this, um, gymnastics and boy swimming and bowling and cheerleading and dance, I think that's all the guys um, we'll compete as, you know, that we'll still compete as scheduled uh, for the winter, but boys and girls basketball and also um, wrestling, uh, we don't know what's going to happen to it. So uh, both Joe and Marty, I mean, what was your guys' reaction to the news from Governor Pritzker about moving those two sports to high risk? And what do you guys think is the next uh, step in this uh, problem we have going on here? As uh, as we've sort of talked about in, in previous weeks here on the varsity, I think we can uh, all three of us can probably agree in saying in saying that the news yesterday from uh, Governor Pritzker was not too much of a surprise. 
uh, especially given the direction uh, some of the things are heading, not only in Illinois, but uh, in the surrounding states around us. Uh, it, it seems to me, though, the, the really unfortunate thing in this situation um, is just it seems to just be a lack of communication between the IHSA and the governor's office and the Department of Public Health. It, it seems, as you mentioned, Michael, 15 minutes or so before uh, that decision was made, the IHSA sort of found out about the news. So definitely not a lot of uh, planning time on their end. And obviously, if we want these seasons to, to happen at some point, these two entities are going to have to work together um, to figure out a solution. So there needs to be some, uh, some more cooperation, in my opinion, moving forward. Yeah, that's what it seems to. It's a little, it just feels chaotic, um, the way news is coming out and the way people are reacting to it. Um, organizations are reacting to it, I should say, not just um, the Twitterverse and athletic directors around the state, but the IHSA is surprised and Illinois Coaches Association is surprised. So it just seems like uh, there's not much going uh, intergovernmental or interorganization um, cooperation. And um, while that is frustrating, I, I, you know, we're all in a situation where uh, information is coming at us fluidly and, you know, the governor's office and, you know, not specifically defending the governor's office, but uh, there's a lot of spinning plates there too. So it, it's pretty clear that IHSA isn't his top priority, nor should it be. There's a lot, I mean, there's a lot going on. So it's just, it feels chaotic and I think that could be smoother and I don't know who to put the blame on. In terms of basketball and wrestling being high risk, you know, being that they're indoor sports, um, having some experience, you know, reporting on those sports and also playing those sports um, in high school, um, it, it's, that seems right. Uh, it seems like they're high risk um, sports in terms of indoor plus contact uh, consistently. Um, obviously, basketball is fast, so the contact isn't sustained. Um, so maybe you can make an argument there. I know that I think I read that the, the National um, Association, Association of High Schools has it as a mid-risk. We have it as a high risk now. So um, not a total surprise, just feels chaotic. And um, that kind of leads to more um, uh, uh, drama, um, which isn't great. But um, I guess it is what it is. I mean, we, we kind of felt like it was going to be delayed. Aside uh, and aside from something, you know, really, really drastic changing here in the next couple of months. Can we really en envision a scenario in which wrestling is going to happen this season? Because as Joe mentioned, they're uh, obviously a, a sport that involves a lot of contact, a lot of indoor contact, a lot of repeated close indoor contact as well. So, you know, it, it would seem that there would have to be some drastic change in either the the, the spread of this virus, the, the fluency of this virus in, in the state, or uh, a change in regards to a testing program that would be developed where the, the wrestlers could get tested before meet. So, I'd say I'd say right now in the the hierarchy of sports that are are going to happen moving forward, wrestling would probably be at, at the bottom of that list. So, do you guys, uh, you Marty, kind of touched on this? Do you guys think basketball happens this winter at all? I know I've asked you this in the past episodes of the podcast, but I mean, um, as we stand right now, I mean, cases are just uh, just skyrocketing right now. Hospitalizations are skyrocketing. I mean, do you guys see the scenario getting better? Come December come January come February where you can have a basketball season or is that too tough to say right now with everything that's going on I mean I I think it's too tough to say the really sad part is this is Illinois and this is Chicago you know the basketball capital of this country um, at the preps level 
um, in my humble opinion. Um, so to see prospects um, just leave the state um, just to just to play it, you know, whether it's Indiana at an academy or, or you know, um, Wisconsin or what have you, just to play, um, that definitely hurts um, the state and it hurts uh, hurts us going forward. So it's hard to see. So I, I could see some pressure building to a point where it makes something happen. I, I think that is going to happen. I think we'll, we'll see some basketball, um, but I just hope it's not, I don't know, um, a thrown together effort that um, really doesn't do justice to um, the great sport of basketball in this state. And then final point before we move on to uh, swimming here, do you got, how does this affect football at all? I mean, obviously football is a much, I mean, you're seeing even today we had Wisconsin announced the university of Wisconsin that they had, uh, they have 12 coronavirus cases and they just played against Illinois this past Friday. I mean, obviously football um, is very close in contact as well. And I mean, if you're a lineman, you're breathing on the person next to you and the person in front of you. I mean, how do you guys feel like this impacts uh, football and whether it's actually able to happen come uh, February? So uh, in my opinion, it's almost starting to feel like perhaps we might have missed our best chance to have a, a have a football season with that that early fall period because it seemed that was uh, possibly the time when when the, the virus was at its at its tamest maybe in the in the past six or months six or so months um, because right now it would seem that it's definitely at uh, its highest level um, potentially since since it's arrived here earlier this year so. Moving forward, as Joe mentioned, it's just hard to, to envision scenarios and predict scenarios in which we're going to get full seasons and everything that we had once planned a couple months ago. So I don't, I don't, maybe I'm alone in saying this, but it, it's almost starting to feel like we might have missed our, our best chance for, uh, for the closest resemblance to a football season. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, hindsight 2020, that sure seems like it right now. You know, if you would have said in, in, the, in the late summer that, this was the best it was going to be. We would all have been like, get out of here. We're, we're going to get better, right? We're going to have a better national response. We're going to have a better, um, you know, everything in, um, in terms of spread is going to, um, to decrease or uh, de-intensify. And uh, to see it go the other way is hurting a lot more than just sports. Yeah, definitely. So a uh, tough situation. We'll uh, give you guys the latest update as to what the IHSA say, says. Make sure you go to the Record North Shore to find out all the latest news there. But from uh, an uncertain situation uh, to a very um, a good day of swimming on Saturday and a very, uh, a very safe way of swimming, I'll have to say. I mean, I was at the sectional on Saturday, and uh, before I start talking about how well Nutrier did at the sectional, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, uh, give a kudos to GBS for putting together like a, a really well organized, really it seemed safe uh, sectional. Um, when we talked um, last week, kind of heading into things, we all kind of assumed that uh, the swimming sectional would take place, you know, individually as it has all season, like every team competes in their own pool and that kind of stuff. And when I reached out to the ADs and coaches, um, I was shocked to hear that they're all competing at GBS, um, all next to each other and that kind of stuff. So that was weird, uh, to hear. But when I got there on Saturday, um, I was really impressed by what GBS, uh, put together. I mean, they had a check-in area for, I mean, I had a check-in, had my temperature taken. Uh, I was escorted up to the balcony. Everything was socially distant. Everyone had to wear a mask all the time. 
And all the teams uh, that were competing there, I think there were around uh, eight or nine teams. Every team was at a different part of the school, not together, um, intermixing with the other teams. Um, athletes or swimmers were brought in in like a rotation. So once an event started, they every swimmer was competing in the event, walked in at the same time from one direction. Um, swimmers competed. One swimmer got out, the other swimmer got, got on top of the stand and got ready to jump into the pool. And then the athletes exited another part of the uh, swimming area. So it was all really impressive how their GBS was able to put it together, um, really control the flow of people. Not There weren't no large gathering of athletes really at any single time. Everyone was wearing masks, everyone was socially distanced. So uh, kudos to GBS for putting together a really strong uh, sectional meet uh, was really surprised there. And then kudos to uh, Nutrier and especially Greta Pelzik, who uh, had quite the day on Saturday. Um, Greta won all three of her uh, races on Saturday to win three individual sectionals and to help Nutrier uh, win its total team sectional title. Um, you guys will hear this from Pelzik in the interview. Um, in the second quarter, but uh, she really entered this uh, meet uh, just leaving it all out there. I mean, given everything that's going on in, in the world world with COVID, um, she didn't know the next time she would be able to compete, whether that be for her club team or for anyone else. So she really wanted to leave her best effort out there, and she definitely did that. Um, she uh, won uh, pretty easily. Um, in the second race of the event where she won the 200 yard individual medley with the time of two minutes and 3.66 seconds. Um, in her next race, she won the 100 butterfly in 55.01 seconds. Um, one full second ahead of the second place finisher from Evanston. And she saved her best for last winning the 100 backstroke winning at 56.02 beating out Hersey's um, Molly Lodzum by almost three full seconds. So it was a really impressive showing uh, from Greta, um, just what she was able to accomplish. Uh, Nutrier finished with 205 points ahead of Evanston's 168. Then you had Hersey finishing third, while GBN and Loyola finished fourth and fifth, respectively. Um, Nutrier had a good start and finished at the sectional junior. Kaylin Gridley ended the meet by winning the 100 best stroke at 1.0145. And junior diver Sydney Holder finished uh, start, started the meet strong by winning the one meter dive with a four eighty six point five zero, and that was a strong showing for um, Nutrier what they were able to accomplish this season. Um, really cool performance from uh, all the girls involved for the Trevians there. I just want to go back to um, she won the a hundred yard race in three full seconds. Yeah, that's bananas. I mean, she touched the wall, then one, two, three, till someone else did. That's a huge margin in a hundred yard race. That's wild. It was really impressive just to watch. I mean, she was like, a, she her pace was way ahead of like uh, whoever was ahead of her in the second place. And it was really impressive. She just owned it from the beginning. I mean, she just had that clear advantage. I mean, obviously the backstroke is a strong uh, race for her, but um, she really was able to take advantage uh, right from the beginning, and she was just full control of the race um, right from the start. Uh, for Loyola, sophomore Anna Quigley really impressed for the Ramblers. Uh, she led the way in the 105, finishing fourth at 57.97. 
Um, Greg Hartman, Loyola's head coach, was really impressed by that performance, and Anna really led the way for the Ramblers uh, for much of their race. Senior Madeline Reed finished fifth in the same race, and she finished sixth in the 100 backstroke um, in a meet where the Ramblers were um, really proud of what they were accomplished. Hardman said that he wanted his Ramblers to uh, really do well at conference and do well at the sectional race. And he was really impressed at what uh, they were able to do there. So that's what uh, the girls were able to accomplish in the pool. There will be no state meet uh, this year, obviously, because of COVID-19. We'll talk a little bit about that in the third quarter. But now let's go over to the second quarter where, where I hinted before. We are joined by uh, Nutri's senior Greta Pelzik as she talks about what she was able to do at the sectional meet. Uh, she talks about what she was able to accomplish over the off-season with uh, COVID-19. She worked on her underwater uh, technique, which really helped her, and how she really entered the meet, um, really determined to just win at any cost. Do you feel any different today? I mean, did you just kind of put out your best effort? Um, I kind of, well, okay, so since it's like my last yeah. high school meet ever, I was like, I have to like, leave it all there you know because like I'm never putting on like a trebium cap again so like I don't know I just kind of went for it and also because like with corona like we have no idea if like there's gonna be meets again soon like if it gets bad or like something happens so like I was like I just have to take this opportunity and like race because like who knows if something gets canceled anytime soon and like I don't get to race again so yeah what was it like competing today? I mean, obviously, this is the first time you've actually competed in someone in the same, that's not uh-huh. on your teammate, that kind of stuff. What was it just kind of like today, just kind of getting back into a real competition? I mean, it was definitely, like, kind of weird, like, seeing other teams. But, like, I think Nutria is fortunate enough to have such a deep team that, like, even at our home, like, dual meets where we only had our team to race, I still had people there, like, racing me. So it wasn't, like, a huge difference, but it definitely helped with the motivation part of, like, I need to touch the wall first because like we need to beat this team and they're right next to me yeah. instead of like a totally different pool so right. this was kind of like a breakout year for you where the last couple of years you've seen success and this year it was obviously a cult of it or coming like this what do you think what was it that how did you get better over the last couple of years and what do you think was it that made you be able to have that success um okay so like technically in the pool and stuff definitely my underwaters I've been working on that a lot, especially, um, like, in club and stuff, too. So, like, that definitely helped my IM and backstroke, um, like, come out. Because I used to mostly just do fly. Like, that's what I did at the state beat, like, literally all the other years. And so that definitely made my other strokes better. Um, I think I've just been, like, training hard. And even during that period where it was, like, quarantine and stuff, we still found a way to, like, do dry land and stuff and, like, kept training. So... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Heading into the season, we talked about like we talked about how weird the season was going to be. At the mm-hmm. end of it, like, was it really that weird, or did you guys kind of adjust to things after a while? I I honestly think we adjusted pretty well, and like even here today, it didn't feel that different than a normal sectional meet. Other than like people weren't in the stands, yeah. it was like the deck was still pretty like crowded. It wasn't like I didn't have my whole team here, but it was definitely like. It wasn't as empty as, like, I think we thought it was going to be. And, like, when you're swimming, you can't really hear people, like, cheering anyway. So it was, like, it wasn't a huge difference. And, yeah, I think we adjusted well. And, like, having our own, like, learning how to swim alone, um, like, at our dual meets because it was just at our own pool, um, like, definitely helped set us up for this. So, like, be able to do that. 
it's obviously the end of your high school career. I uh-huh. mean, how are you left feeling? I mean, are you proud of this? I'm sure you are, but just happy of the three championships and winning mm-hmm. a sectional championship? Or are you just kind of left like, well, I should be competing at state next week and kind of getting ready for that? I mean, yeah. how, what are the emotions right now? Um, that? Definitely half and half. I literally was just saying in the locker room, like, I wish you were going to state next weekend. Yeah. But it's also like, I mean, we tapered and like, this is like what I would have gone at state. So I'm thinking like, and, like, I know people have said they're going to, like, compare all the times or whatever. But, like, I, that doesn't really matter to me, I guess. Because, like, I'm still going to compete with those people outside of high school and, like, in our club season and stuff. And, like, it, I don't, it's nice to, like, end on this note. And I feel yeah. like definitely this was, like, it's not like I'm going to, like, state and, like, thinking I'm going to win. And, like, here it's, def- like, a better chance for me. And, like, I feel like I ended better here than I would have there, like, mentally and stuff, too. But, yeah, I'm happy with it. <laughs> Thanks so much, Greta, for joining us. And thanks, as always, to the coaches and players who join us every single week. Um, always good to get your guys' insight as to what is happening. So as we move on to the second half of the podcast, it's a good time to thank our sponsor, the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. Um, they have many great locations in the Chicagoland area. And uh, make sure to check them out. Move better, live better is their model. And those are good uh, words to remember in these uh, weird times that we call 2020. So let's move on over now to the third quarter where we play a way or no way, our weekly guessing game where Joe and Marty uh, say way, something can happen. No way, something cannot happen. I got three uh, questions for you guys this week. So let's start off with our first way or no way. Uh, Loyola girls cross country won their regional over the weekend and they will compete for a sectional this upcoming Saturday. Way or no way, Marty, that uh, Loyola tops and wins the sectional having to compete against tough opponents like Prospect? I'm going to say way on this one, Michael. You know, the old saying goes, third time is the charm. Um, and I think this is going to be the charm for, for, the, for the Rambler girls this weekend. Um, Prospect has gotten them a couple times already this season. Um, so I think that right now they're, they're running their best. They had a great showing at the, at the regional over the weekend and they're heading into the sectional with tons of confidence and, and possibly running their best of the season. So I think, uh, I think they're going to, going to take it home over, over the weekend at the sectional. All right, Joe, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to say no way. I think, you know, Loyola is running their best, but so is prospect. Um, so we're the, uh, just kind of what we've seen in previous um, battles between the two this year and, and prospects going to kind of hold that over their heads for another, uh, for one more race and uh, take them down. All right, some good disagreement there. Uh, let's move on over to the second question. Uh, New Trier boys will be competing this weekend as well at Hoffman Estates at their sectional. Um, way or no way, Joe, that two New Trier runners take top five at the Hoffman Estates sectional this Saturday? I believe in the regional they had two in the top five. And I think we had, what was it, four in the top 15. So I'd say, you know, uh, I guess we talk about depth so much in this podcast. Um, and that's where you see it again on the, on the new Trier boys cross country. Uh, but I think they might have only, uh, only um, elite runners in the sectional, elite meaning top five. I think they might only get one and they might place two or three in the top 10. And then again, you know, maybe all five in the top 25 or top 30, and that'll do it. Um, so top five, I will say no way. That's very difficult at a sectional. All right, Marty, what do you think? 
I'm gonna have to uh, I'm gonna have to agree with Joe here and say no way as well. I think they'll get two in the top eight. I think top five is just a little too much to to ask, especially given the the tough competition that you're gonna face at the sectional. I think Folk and Siebert um, finish top eight, just outside of that top five uh, marker. The the margins are just gonna be so razor thin and so many great runners, as Joe mentioned. All right. All right, final way or no way, we talked about swimming in the first and second quarter. Um, obviously, a lot of talent with New Trier. So, uh, Joe, way or no way that New Trier girls swimming and diving would have won a state title had there been one in a normal season? I'm going to say way. Uh, I think they had it this year. I think they had the uh, um, the top talent like Palzik, and I think they had um, – some other qualifiers that I guess would fill in point scores throughout. They had, they had divers that were scoring very well that would have scored at the state meet. Um, I just think Nutrier had one of those teams that's going to score across multiple events um, and really rack up those points. Um, I did a lot of research on the other teams as well. And I think they just edged them by a few points. All right, Marty, what do you think? Yeah, given their their performance at the regional, it's hard to uh, to vote against them here. So I'm going to agree with Joe and say way that uh, there is a that they probably would have taken home the state title. I mean, the roster is just loaded with depth. They've got a ton of great swimmers, and obviously second place finished last year. So I think uh, another year of experience added on to that roster would have would have pushed them to number one this year. All right, folks, there you have it. Way or no way, uh, good discourse over there as we talked about what. Uh, what we think is going to happen and what would have happened in the hypothetical normal 2020 world. So let's move on over now to the fourth quarter where we're, uh, where we're going to talk about um, more about cross country, kind of recap what happened this past weekend at the regional where Loyola girls saw a lot of success as, as well as the Nutria boys and preview um, what's going to happen this weekend at the sectional. So uh, Marty, I'll turn to you and talk about where uh, you were able to, uh, watch a lot of the cross country that happened uh this past saturday at the regional where uh you watched the loyola girls cross country team really uh uh impress at the right moment yeah so uh the the interesting thing about this race is, is with the uh, with covid safety protocols that uh that are in place now this year and this season is that there were three separate flights for each gender um so three separate races um, broken in into the regional so each of the team's runners ran in these um, three separate races so that made for a really interesting afternoon considering the fact that going into the second and third races you sort of didn't fully know where you stood um, because you still had runners who hadn't yet run and a lot of those runners were some of the top runners from each of these teams so it made for an interesting situation where um, the runners who had run in the first race didn't really know what their actual finish was because there were still runners who had yet to run. So they were sort of, instead of running against a group of runners, they were running against a time. They were running um, just to to get the best time possible, which was a, an, in, an interesting dynamic and uh, something that the coaches we talked to mentioned, which was uh, which was very different than, than a normal um, cross-country regional and a normal uh, meet. So that, that definitely made for, a, for an interesting element to the race. But as you mentioned, Michael, a terrific afternoon for the Loyola girls team led by um, freshman Morgan Mackey finished uh, third, third overall. And she ran in that last flight of the race for the Ramblers and uh, her performance just pushed them over the top to, to edge out Barrington by about eight points. I believe it was um, have to mention Maeve Norman, who, who ran a tremendous race in that second flight 
I believe she won by about 15 or so strides. So her performance really, really gave the Ramblers a great little foundation heading into that last flight. And they were able to edge out Barrington. And as we discussed in the third order, the third quarter, excuse me, they now head to the sectional with their sights set on prospect. One of the uh, few units in the state who have bested them this year. So we'll see if they'll be able to, uh, to catch prospect this weekend. Marty, you, you mentioned the, the flights that they did. Did you, when you were talking to the coaches, is there a strategy where you like have like your top three runners, like your number three runner run in the first race, your number two runner run in the second race and your number one runner run in the last race, or does, does it not really matter? Like, well, what is the approach with the different flights there? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think there was some strategy involved in coaches selecting which runners they, they wanted to go, but the, the trend that I saw is that they saved their, their top runners for that third flight, um, sort of. So they were matched up against the other team's top runners. So on, on the Loyola girls side, um, Mackie and, and Grammis, two of their top runners were saved for that last flight. Um, and, and Norman actually Maeve Norman actually ran in that second flight and she finished with the second best time for them. So she had a, a, a great, a, a great afternoon and, and coach Simon actually called it her best race of the season. So, uh, an awesome afternoon for her. And then on, on the new cheer boys side and the, the Loyola boys side as well, um, Spencer Warner, Loyola's top runner was saved for that last race. And he sort of pushed the Ramblers across into, into the sectional as well into qualifying for the sectional as well, excuse me, because they had entered um, that third flight out outside of the top six. So had he had not put, put forward a good performance, they might've been on the outside looking in and he definitely delivered. He finished fourth overall, I believe. So, another uh, really strong race from him and Nutria had saved uh, their, their best runner, Nick Falk, one of the, one of the top runners in this, in the state for that last flight as well. And of course he delivered finishing second overall on, on the afternoon. So uh, we, we hit on this a little bit in way or no way uh, in the third quarter, but what do you expect from our area teams this upcoming weekend? Like um, I know, I know obviously you're a little uh, high on Loyola heading into the weekend, but uh, what can we expect from, uh, our area teams, both boys and girls competing at Hoffman Estates. Yeah, I think we should definitely expect some of the, the recent trends we've seen to continue on, on the boys side. I think Nutrier is definitely in line to compete for, if not uh, almost a, a, a pretty good bet to, to win the sectional on their side. Um, they, they edged out Barrington, as we mentioned earlier, by about four points with, with a nice little comeback in that third flight. Um, and then on the girls' side, I think Loyola, it, it's going to be a challenge for sure, but they seem to be up, up to the task. So we'll see how, how they're able to, to match up in their, in, in their sectional um, with, with a tough pairing against Prospect, a team that has, has bested them a couple times this year. Um, but I, I, think we'll, I think we'll see both teams perform well as they have um, all this season. It's just going to come down if to, on, on the girls' side, if Loyola girls are going to get that little extra push to uh, – to push them past prospect at, at the sectional. And the most important question, how was the hill on Saturday? <laughs> you know, it was pretty cold for those first couple of races. I got to admit, Michael. Uh, but then once we started getting some sun, it, it came into a pretty nice day. But those uh, those 920 starts and the 940 starts, I mean, uh, your, your boy Mart was, was freezing <laughs> up there, I got to admit. Definitely, uh, definitely not the best place if you're trying to be warm, especially no matter what time of year is uh, at that Loyola Munns campus. All right, and we're going to finish out the podcast here by uh, talking a little bit Nutria alumni news, where we have uh, 
Charlie Tilson, it was announced, I think it was like this past week where um, Charlie. Char- Charlie Tilson is going to serve as a coach for the Northwestern baseball team. Um, given everything that's going on, Charlie um, was released uh, not too long ago. Obviously, the uncertainty of minor league baseball and just baseball in general um, decided to uh, come back to the North Shore area and help coach the local area uh, Big Ten baseball team. And Joe, I know you caught up with uh, Charlie a little bit earlier. So uh, what was that conversation like? And uh, how, how did Charlie kind of sound based on everything that's been going on? Um, conversation was great. You know, um, Charlie, we have a history. I know Dwojak, you, you've interviewed him too um, with the organization. We've kind of followed him um, through his years um, from high school to the pros, which he, um, he was drafted out of high school and went pro uh, with the Cardinals. Um, so he's back home. Like you said, it was a great conversation. Charlie's always very candid and, and giving of his time. Um, and he's, he's going to coach Northwestern as a, as a volunteer coach, help with the outfielders, um, you know, as well as assist the hitters, the hitting coach over there is, is, uh, Dusty Napoleon, um, son of, uh, of, uh, coach Naps, Mike Napoleon from your Trier. So he has the connects there. You know, a lot of people don't know, which I found out today uh, talking to Charlie too. He, he helped out with the Wilmette Waves this past fall um, with a former um, a former teammate of his, Brian Cost. Um, they both coached the, the fall ball um, for the Wilmette Waves. So he's been in the area for a little bit. He got released from the Pittsburgh Pirates. You know, really bad timing um, for Charlie. He, you know, he said he felt like he, uh, he was ready to contribute this year, especially on a team that could have used depth and uh, was full of young talent. He felt like he could have been a contributor um, at the at the major league level in 2020, but um, COVID-19 really limited the number in the minor leagues. It canceled the minor league season, so pro teams really had just two camps, their pro team, um, which played and traveled, of course, and then they had an alternative site, and that was with limited players, and Charlie didn't make that cut and was released, and um, he thought it was time to move on um, after weighing all his options, of which he had a few. Um, so, um, we'll, we'll talk, you know, you'll, when you read the story, hopefully we'll have it up by, by Friday. Um, you can read about how, what he's feeling to be back home. He's, he's back here living on the North shore and coaching in, in Evanston. And, um, you know, his, for now his baseball career is put aside and, and over after his release. Um, so how he feels about that, what he feels about his moments in the major leagues with the Cardinals, with the, uh, White Sox, he had a grand slam against the, uh, Astros, as we all know and cheered. Um, so <laughs> had, had some moments, um, some cool moments, and he felt like he was on the, the road back to being a contributor and was uh, feeling healthy. So, um, you know, bittersweet, Charlie's back, um, but after his release, so it'll be kind of one of those stories of where he's at now. All right, really cool. So we'll be looking for that on uh, the, North, the record North Shore. Make sure you guys are checking out the website for that story and for every story, whether it's sports or news, whatever have you. Uh, a lot of good stuff there. So make sure you subscribe and you uh, check it out as well. So that's all we have going on for the podcast this week. Quick reminder that you should subscribe to the Varsity anywhere you listen to the podcast. You can find us on the record North Shore on our homepage. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts and wherever else, Spotify as well. Um, we'll see if there are sports to talk about. There's obviously sectional cross country uh, this weekend, but uh, we'll see what happens with the winter sports. Hopefully some good news coming down the pipeline from the IHSA, at least with some sports. Um, thanks so much for joining us this week. 
Uh, thanks again for Joe and Marty, and we will talk to you guys down the road. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Varsity, a product of the record NorthShore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute with more than 150 fellowship trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com.